tonight at, at GZM, we're going to continue down uh, the teachings through the steps. Tonight we're going to be un unpacking step nine, which is that we made a direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. So often as we're coming out of our brokenness and, and, and we're in such a rush to heal and mend and rebuild bridges in our lives that so often you know we barely have a foothold and we're trying to make apologies but so often you know that the people that we would first initially go to are the individuals that we've said our sorries to far too many times so a lot of times that our words mean very little and it frustrates us because we want everyone to give us this this grace but yet we've proven to them in the times of in our past that when we we get this grace we just continue to do the very things that we are apologizing for and there's a reason that this amends step is further down the road that it's not admit that we have a, an issue that we're powerless over some area in our lives and our life's unmanageable and then go tell everybody you're sorry step two that there's a reason that the individuals that created the steps you know that you know went through you know other people's material and and came to the conclusion that this was the best order that they could come up with as they prayed through it and looked in the Word of God and, and used the, the materials that they had at that time because when this program the 12 steps were really created there wasn't a really big solution for people that had an alcohol problem you know there was drug problems too alcohol problem was really out of control you know they basically left you in jail or put you in insane asylum and, and said that there was no hope. You know, so making an amends they felt was an important piece to this equation, but it was to be put later down the road. The first things that we needed to do is, is really admit that we have a problem, believe that God can restore us, restore the sanity of the insane mind that continues to run to things that continue to hurt us and think that something different is going to happen. That, that individual needed to turn their will over to God and surrender their lives to God and build a relationship with God, you know, and clean house. You know, in the last few weeks that we've been talking about our fourth, our fifth, our sixth, our seventh, and even last week our eighth step, is that we're we're digging up all the junk, you know, and it's now that we're we're looking to address amends. You know, after we we establish our relationship with God, we believe that we need God. That we're digging up all the junk, we're asking God into all these equations, we're releasing some different things. You know, we've come to this place that we're willing to do it God's way, and we have to ask Him to, for the strength to do that over and over and over and over and over again. So here we are in this place of amends. What amends truly means change. It does not mean I'm sorry. So for some reason, we get it in our head that I'm making amends. It means I'm going to apologize. But amends truly means change. 
just as the, the Constitution has had amendments to it, they've changed aspects of it. You know, if you take it down to the root word, mend, it's to sew things back together. You know, so as we, we make amends, that it's that two things can be reconciled. Two things can be brought back to, together that have been torn apart. Typically, it's our actions, but other people have had actions too, you know, in the, our lives that have created, you know, broken relationships. So here we are at step nine, trying to make an amends, and it's not really an apology. It's saying, look, my life has changed now because I've surrendered to the issue, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, food, gambling, you name it. It's caused destruction in my life. It's made my life unmanageable. I'm realizing this now, and I'm asking God to change me. I'm asking God to heal me. I'm turning my will over to him. I'm trying to build a relationship with him. You know, I'm asking Jesus to change me. I'm believing that the word of God is, is going to give me information that I need to build that relationship with God that teaches me about Jesus, that teaches me practical principles, that there's promises that if I do it his way, that things begin to change in our lives. You know, I'm believing that I'm repenting asking him to uproot things in my life that have been in there for far too long. I'm offering forgiveness to people that I said that I would never forgive. I've become willing to do it his way. I'm asking God to uproot these things, take my character defects, release shortcomings. I'm humbling myself before God. I become willing to address the issues whenever possible. So, you know, this step is talking about to make direct amends whenever possible. It doesn't mean that you chase down everybody that you have ever hurt. Because for me, if I was to chase down everybody that I've ever hurt, that I'd spend the rest of my life tracking people down. I'd have to hire investigators to go track people down. You know, so it isn't apologies to everybody that we've hurt. You know, it's truly the amends that we can make are the changes. So if you've cheated on and in a relationship, the amends that you make is that in your next relationship that you're not someone that is promiscuous outside of that relationship. You know, if you're a thief, it means you stop stealing. If you're someone that can't tell the truth, it means you stop lying. You know, and so on and so forth. You look at the character defects, you look at the shortcomings, and I'm changing these. I'm asking God to heal me. I'm asking God to change me. I'm asking God to, to teach me how to be a man of honor and integrity. You know, it's teaching you ladies how to be women of integrity and honor. That we value our bodies differently than we used to. That we hold ourselves in a place of purity. That God is moving in our lives. That we are changing. So that when we go to certain people whenever possible, that we stand before them and they can instantly see that we are different men and women. That they look at us and they can tell by the way we carry ourselves that we're changed. And a lot of times that these relationships already begin to be mended because of how much we've changed. But there are times that we need to go to them and express the changes that we've made. You know, and we we do release them of things that we held against them, and we do ask them 
to release things that they may hold, hold against us whenever possible that would not injure them or others. You know, that we were reading in the 12 and 12 that, you know, the AA, you know, you know, book that, that dictates the, the 12 steps and the 12 traditions. And in the very end of that chapter, it talks about if you've had promiscuous relationships, if you've cheated on, you know, your spouse in one way or another, that to go to people that you've had these affairs with and you go knock on their door and say, I want to make amends to you, that it would be too much for them, that it would be too heavy of a burden, too, too much of a cross for them to bear. That if we were to track down everybody that we've had improper relationships with and try to, to make these amends, that the amends that we really make is that we stop in that type of behavior. You know, that it's so important that we realize that, that some of the amends that we think that we need to make may injure them and may injure ourselves. For some of us that were thieves, you know, making an amends, you know, that would mean that we'd have to go to people that we've robbed, you know, that could actually bring down criminal charges against some of us, you know, so to injure them or ourselves, that sometimes this amends has to be prayed through and talked through, that it's important that we realize that if I go to said you know, institution or organization or person that they may file a charge against me and there may be criminal actions that start to take place to bring justice. So to realize that to make this amends, you know, the way that we think it, you know, may injure you. Now I will say that I was a pretty big thief basically since the time that I could remember. I was five years old that I stole my first candy bar. And I told my mom about my candy bar that I had stolen, and she marched me right back into the store to confess my sin and get me in trouble. And at that point in my life, I realized that my mom could not be trusted. And from that point on, we did not tell mom that we had stolen said things. And I became a career criminal at the very age of six. I stole everything I could get my hands on since I was a little kid. I was a pretty good thief. I stole things from many different places. And for me to go into all the places that I've stolen from, that we would be here till Christmas. <clears throat> you know, it got so bad that I, I could not go into stores without stealing something. But in the later parts of my addiction, you know, as I worked at, you know, a tattoo shop, you know, I started taking money out of the register. You know, and, you know, I started getting sober in this place, and I stayed sober there for a few months, and God told me it was time to move on. And I had quit that place, and, you know, I was, you know, staying sober, and I was pressing in and learning about Jesus, and, and I heard a pastor preach a message, and I know for a fact that the Holy Spirit told me that I need to go make amends to my former bosses about this money that I had taken. And I'm like, yeah, nope, not doing that. But every time that I would go to pray, the Holy Spirit would say, you know, we need to do this. 
And it took me a few weeks. I'm not going to say that I was this obedient servant of God because that was not true. But eventually, you know, I knew that he was not going to leave me alone and I needed to go confess my sin. And I confessed my sins to my bosses and, and you know, said that I would repay them. And one person, you know, thanked me for, you know, confessing my sin. And the other person basically yelled at me and cussed me out for doing it. You know, and and that's part of the amends, that you may get a good type of, you know, recipient recipient from your, you know, confession. And then there's other times that the person is going to be upset with you. You know, and we have to have our expectations in place that we realize that we don't know how they may respond when we go to these people, you know. And it took me a few years to, to pay back the money that I had stolen, but I did that, and it became, you know, a testimony. It became, you know, a way to witness to people that are unsaved that there's something different about this person because the people that have stolen money from them before, no one's ever paid it back. You know, so there's times that our amends shows people how much Jesus that we have and that we're truly changed individuals. So if we go to them before the change has taken place, we don't give glory to God if we continue to say, I'm sorry to do this, and then we do it again. Look, I'm going to church now. I'm sober. I'm completely different. Forgive me for this. Okay, I forgive you this. And then we go back into doing it. It you know, puts a stain upon Jesus in someone's eyes that doesn't know Jesus because, oh, look, you're that Christian. They're just doing the same old thing. So it's important that real change has taken place in our lives so that when we go and testify what Jesus is doing in our lives, that they can see that we're different people. You know, I remember there's a, a time that, of a young woman that was part of the ministry, and um, God led her to go back to a store that she had shoplifted several thousand dollars and never was caught, and she, you know, asked to speak to the store manager, and the store manager, you know, gave her, you know, a minute, and she confessed her sin to the store manager, and the store manager started weeping, because no one had ever, would never do something like that, you know, and she ended up praying for the individual, and it was like this amazing moment, because people don't do that type of stuff, so, when we're making amends to people, that it's truly this change that we've made, that it can be this example of what Christ has done in our lives, so that we aren't saying we're sorry. We're showing them we're, that we are changed men and women. You know, out of all the people, you know, that on my list of people that I needed to be willing to make these amends to, you know, there's only just a few that God really led me to go talk to these individuals. You know, because truly my change to my mom is to stop being a knucklehead and keep doing the same old stuff over and over again. That, you know, family a lot of just loves us so much and they want us to do the right thing that we don't need to technically say we're sorry a, a millionth time. We just need to do the right thing, and the change in our lives is more than enough, you know. And if you feel led to, to make an apology or, 
you know, do something. There's nothing wrong with that. But most of the time, the changes that we need to make are just that we start getting things in order and, and start, you know, changing it and our lives get better and we stop doing the things that are hurting us. But there was another instance in my life where I was given the privilege to borrow a, a truck. And, you know, in my early recovery and in the hopes that I would stay that way, I drank again and I drove that truck in the midst of a blackout and I ruined it. You know, I blew the motor in it and I crashed it. And and I never made any sort of an apology. Basically, I just said, oh, well, and kept it moving. Now, you know, later on in life, as I became willing to make direct amends to whoever, you know, I said, well, you're going to have to bring this person back in my life. I'm not going to go to them. And lo and behold, Jesus in his awesomeness creates this scenario where I end up having to be around this person to help do a job. And I end up being in the cab of a truck. And I knew going into it that this was the moment to become willing. And this, I had a couple years sober by the time that this, you know, crossroads had taken place. And I've already been worked, worked most of my steps. But whenever possible, since I'm living a couple hours away from this person, it wasn't possible. You know, so part of me wasn't willing and God gave me the opportunity. And I made my apology. I made my amends to them. And I was a changed person. And, and I was a crying mess. And they thanked me, but they said, you know, it's not a big deal. I'm so glad that you are doing better in your life that sometimes these things that weigh on us so much that we think that people hold against us, that they're just so proud of us that we've changed, that material objects that we've ruined or stolen to people that love us are chump change, and they truly don't care. They're just so happy that we are doing better. I have another instance that, you know, in my father, you know, it tracked me down because we really lost contact, but he looked up my grandmother's phone number because she hadn't moved in forever and her phone number was still the same. And she, he got a hold of her and she gave him my number and he called me one day and I was going through a breakup. So all my fears of rejection, my fears of abandonment, you know, I was already not doing good because of, you know, the broken relationship. And here, out of the blue, here's my dad, who I haven't talked to in a while. And I unleashed on him everything that I'd ever held against him. I just let him have that. You know, and I know that I wounded him. You know, here he is. You know, he's making an effort. You know, our relationship has not been the greatest. But here he is making, you know, a, you know, a, the step to reach out. You know, and I let him have it. You know, and some time goes by and Jesus starts working on me and, you know, he teaches me about the resentments that I have against my father prevent me from truly building a relationship with God, my father, because I look at God, my father, through the lens of my biological father. And a lot of the things that I hold against my heavenly father are the very things that my biological father have done to me. So because my 
you know, biological father has been absent and there's been broken promises that I think that my heavenly father is not a part of my life and that the things that I read in the Bible may, may not come true. I don't know if I can trust my heavenly father because I look through it through the lens of my biological father and this father wound affects me, affects us in our ability to connect with God. And I hear a sermon along that lines, and it makes me really angry because I don't want to hear about God the Father. I just want to concentrate on Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And the conviction and, and you know, the Holy Spirit is like, oh, yeah, we need to talk to, you know, hang out with the Heavenly Father. And I'm like, oh, you know, there's this war going on inside of me because I don't want to forgive. I want to hang on to this resentment. I want to hang on to this bitterness. You know, and through some prayer and, you know, counseling, you know, and having a few chats with people that were telling me the truth that it made me really angry, I got to this place that, you know, I finally was ready to make this amends. It's truly an apology, you know, of the changed behavior in my life. You know, and, you know, I, I got everything as far as I can, you know, in, in the right hands of the right people to give me the wisdom and, and prepare me for this phone call, you know, and the day came and I called him, you know, and I apologized for my conduct and, you know, I, in hopes to restore and rebuild this relationship, you know, and, you know, and moved on, you know, and, you know, today my relationship with my father is better than it ever was. It's not perfect, but, you know, we live apart and we communicate through social media and we talk to each other a few times a year, and it's the best that it's ever been because it's where we're at. But I no longer hold on to the bitterness and resentment, you know, that I held on for so many years as a kid. You know, so there's different ways to make amends, and there's different scenarios that amends will take place. You know, that it's not always running and tracking everyone down and saying we're sorry. You know, there's a reason that it's at the end. We should have a relationship with a sponsor. We should have a relationship with a pastor. That we should definitely have a relationship with the Lord. That there's this deep work that's already been taking place in us. That that we're a changed individual. That we do have some sobriety time under our belts before we try to address some of these things. Because a lot of the amends that we have to make are to people that there's strong emotional connections to. And that can truly affect us if things don't go perfectly. You know, and it can affect us even when they do. You know, because we get that fear of success just like we get that fear of failure. And sometimes we sabotage ourselves in the midst of trying to do the right things. So it's so important that all these things are in place before we try to make these direct amends. And we need to realize that some of the people that we may feel that we need to make direct amends, that we need to pray through, ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom, and talk to people that have wisdom in these types of areas and, and really discuss it. Because sometimes that we're doing it out of some sort of emotional response, and we may need to wait a minute, or not at all. And sometimes it's like, yep, it's time to do that. But they hold us accountable, and they pray for us as we're doing it, because it still can be a very emotional moment for us as we're addressing some of these issues 
because we feel certain ways about the things that we've done in our past. But there is this healing power that begins to transition us into who we're going to be. And there's this amazing things that starts to take place. You know, that the big book gives us a list of promises that are very powerful, you know, in this area, you know, that they read the promises at most meetings. You know, the AA promises says if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, that we will be amazed before we are halfway through. That we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale that we have gone, we will see how our experiences can, can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. That self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. And it goes on to say, are these extravagant promises? We think not. That we are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but they will material, always materialize if we work for them. Alcoholics Anonymous, page 83 and 84. And I remember hearing these promises read in my early recovery, and it would make me so angry. Because I could not believe what they were telling me. You know, and I was so angry, so upset, so broken. So they were telling me about these promises that are going to take place in my life. So I got like three seconds sober, and I'm expecting that whole list to happen immediately. And I've done no work. But these promises come after you've worked your ninth step. You know, and I remember later on in life, after I got some recovery and got some sobriety and got a whole lot of Jesus, I'm sitting in an AA meeting because they read them pretty much pretty regularly. So a lot of times you tune out the readings, or at least I do, I'll just be honest. And I remember sitting there one day, and, and for whatever, I tuned in. And every single promise that they read was like a check off the list. Like, that's happened, that's happened, that's happened, that's happened, that's happened. That they are materializing in our lives. And it baffles us how these things are taking place. You know, and some of you in here, even as I read these, are like, these things are happening in my life. And some of you are like, upset because it's not happening in your life. But then the question is, is where at, are you at in your steps? And are you working for it? They materialize if you work for it. You know, and a lot of us has economic insecurity. Money is a huge issue with a lot of us because we blew it hand over fist, you know, and we're digging ourselves out of debt. And it's a difficult road. But we realize as we start chipping away at that mountain, we start to realize that the fear of money, the fear of people begins to lift. And that we realize that if we're painstaking, that things begin to change. And we realize that 
this whole new life is waiting for us. And it's truly this amazing thing. These promises that, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous give us, but truly, there is way more promises in the Bible if we're obedient to the Lord and do things His way. There is so many promises to our lives that if we trust Jesus and do it His way. So as we, you know, allow Him to move in our lives and dig up the junk and begin to trust Him and become willing, and step forward to restore and repair relationships that we felt were never going to be restored or repaired, we begin to realize that God is doing for us that we could not do for ourselves. In all of our efforts in the past to heal certain things or change certain things, we were never able to do it. But here it is, we're starting to learn how to use this tool that many of us say won't work, I'm not doing it, this is stupid, and all of a sudden, through enough pain, we begin to start doing some steps. And lo and behold, freedom, freedom is materializing in our lives. Through our relationship with Jesus, through our relationship with other people, that we begin to learn how to use this tool in so many areas of our lives. You know, I've come to learn that there's not one area in all of my life that step one, two, and three do not apply. That any time I start to get upset, I realize I'm powerless over it, and it's making my life unmanageable. It does not matter what it is. That if my emotions start to get out of control, it's because I'm trying to take power in an area that I am powerless. And it's making me unmanageable. And when I get unmanageable, that things get crazy. And if I do things the way I used to do things, I want to run away or set fire to everything as I go. Or fight with people that love me to create an excuse that I can set things on fire and run away. You know, and God is teaching us how to handle situations in a whole new way. You know, and I believe that God is going to restore me. I believe that Jesus is going to heal my mind. He's going to heal my body. He's going to heal my relationships. He's going to heal my finances. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on of the things that Jesus can heal if I begin to allow him to move in those areas. And I have to turn my will over every day. And I have to live according to his word. And when I do that, my life gets better in spite of me. You know, that I make mistakes. I think things, say things, and do things every day that I should not do. Because I am a sinner and I need Jesus. You know, and it teaches me that if I turn these things over to Jesus, that he will begin to lead me down this path of change in restoration, healing, deliverance, liberation, the list goes on and on, the words that we can throw out there that Jesus is going to do in our lives if we keep turning these things over and doing it his way. So I just encourage you to, to think about where you're at. You know, and if you're painstaking about this phase of your development, if you work forward and really look at where you're at in your life and what step, you know, what place that you're at. I mean, maybe you need to admit you're powerless and, and, and start the process. Maybe you're, you know, somewhere in the, in the process, but you've somehow stopped for some reason or another. Or maybe you're pressing through. Maybe you're like, I can't wait to get there. You know, and just ask the Holy Spirit to say, where am I and what do I need to do? You know, get with somebody that has walked down this path before you and talk about it. 
Don't just hold it in. Don't isolate. And allow, you know, the people of this program, you know, to speak truth into your life. You know, and be painstaking, which means, you know, dig deep and say, I need to get this junk out. I'm tired of carrying it because it does nothing but destroy me from the inside out. You know, I continue to have outbursts and I continue to fall into sin because I'm carrying all this junk on the inside of me that needs to come out and I'm scared. And just be honest about it. God will show up every single time. You know, Jeremiah 6.14 says, He cannot heal a wound that we say is not there. You know, and He won't take anything from us that we won't let go of. He will create a lot of situations that make it real painful that we're hanging on to it, by the way. But he will not rip things out of our hands. And sometimes we wish he just would. But it's up to us to be obedient and willing and submitted to his will and his way and his voice and his word. And he begins to transform us in spite of ourselves. Would you just bow your heads with us? Lord, we thank you so much for all that you're doing. We thank you that you are a good God and that you love us more than we could ever know. That you're at work in our lives, no matter where we're at in this stage. Whether we're broken and we're just starting this process, or we've been doing this for a while. That you are with us, that you're there for us, that you're guiding us, that you're teaching us, you're speaking to us. Help us to tune in your voice, Lord. Help us to get the distractions out of the way. Help us to let go of our character defects and let you in. Humbly let you into our lives to begin to remove areas, remove things, remove people that need to be removed so that we can focus on you and live a life according to your will and your purposes. So Lord, I pray that you would manifest your promises in our lives, that you would give us favor, that you would bless us. But Lord, help us to know that there's due diligence. There's things that we have to do. There's things that we have to put action into our lives, that there's things that we have to surrender and there's things that we have to participate in, you know, just as a farmer has to, to till the ground and plant the seeds and water the seeds, that there is a season for everything. So, Lord, I pray that we would recognize the season we're in and we would allow you to guide us no matter what it is and we would watch how you work miracles in all of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.